Welcome to Living a Better Life podcast with your host, Madeline Golick. This is a weekly podcast exploring a variety of topics on how you can live a better life, not just physically, but in all aspects of what it means to be human living in a modern world. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and should not replace professional or medical advice. This podcast is sponsored by Ecophysiotherapy, where their mission is to educate, empower, and rehabilitate you back to health. Without further ado, please enjoy the show. Welcome back to our wonderful listeners. So today on the episode, we're going to be exploring some ideas around self-compassion. My guest today is Vera Chang. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Vera, I start this with all of my clients, all of my clients, look at that. All of my uh, podcast guests before we start is like, I want to get to know you a little bit. So, you know, tell me a little bit about you and what, what helped, like what, what was the decision to get into psychotherapy? Like why, why did you decide in this um, field of work? For sure. So my family and I, we moved from Hong Kong to Toronto in the early nineties. And we have experienced racism when we first landed and we continue to experience racism, racism to this day. And I also been Uh, diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder about six, seven years ago. And that was really tough trying to manage my own mental health struggle. And at the same time, support um, my clients who are struggling with their own mental health issue. And reason why I've decided to, you know, being in a social work field is because I wanted to, um, you know, share, we actually relate to my own experience as a, you know, as an immigrant, as a child, how I've experienced racism in my life, but also how my own mental health have continued to shape me of who I am today. And one thing that I wanted to let you all know that when I was at a very young age, my mother was physically and emotionally um, abusive towards me. And she continued to be emotionally abusive to this day. And I have seek support with my mentor and my therapist for about eight, nine years now. And they really helped me to understand what my trauma, how my trauma really opened my own eyes and how that some of my kind can really relate to me based on their own experiences. I imagine, you know, that was must have been a very uh, difficult experience to go through. And, you know, one of the themes that I hear a lot of, like with my podcast guests, is, is oftentimes our personal experiences shape and direct where, you know, what we do for, for a living, because it's not just about helping others heal. It's about helping to heal. Like, well, it's about helping to heal ourselves as well, right? When we go go through an experience that's challenging in the process of us finding solutions that work for us, it helps us then to share what's worked for us with others, right? So that hopefully they don't have to, you know, perhaps struggle as much as we did to find the answers, right? Since we've already, you know, put in the work, put in the time to learn, put in the time to implement a variety of strategies, you know, um, 
that really helps us be able to share that with others. But I think it also helps us to have that empathy and that understanding, that connection. Definitely. Definitely. I think like, like you said, the connection, it's definitely have to be there, especially when I'm working with my clients, because I often tell my clients, like, if you don't feel connected, the relationship, the therapeutic relationship doesn't work at all. Yeah. Or, or it's strained or you don't get sort of the same level of outcome as you would when we feel connected with the people that we're, that we're working with. Um, and I think, you know, for example, you know, having experienced childbirth and, you know, have experiencing, you know, leaking when you don't want to leak, right? It kind of, it's, it, it builds a level of confidence in me to say to others, hey, if you do these exercises and you do sort of X, Y, or Z, it's really going to help you. I, I feel like I, not only do I say it confidently, but I also feel like, they can trust it more because I, because I've been through it. I don't know. I think there's a different type of connection when you've been through something similar as to somebody else. Yes, definitely. And, and, you know, doing my therapy sessions with my clients, that's why a lot of clients, they picked me um, as the therapist because that they have experienced similar um, experiences such as like being an immigrant child when they first moved here or they have experiences where they have been physically or emotional abused as a child. But I also recognize that sometimes that they don't recognize that it was abuse because that it happened to our culture and the Asian culture that it's, it's normal. Mm-hmm. Until I actually said something like, hey, in the Western culture, like we don't do that, right? Like we don't hit our kid or we don't, you know, yell or call out name. They use a different discipline style. Yeah. The children. Yeah. And, and I think we'll, we'll kind of, dive a little bit uh, into that as we as we go through the episode. So because, you know, I don't um, I don't have a good understanding of maybe the differences that uh, may be presented in different cultural upbringings um, that I think could be helpful for others listening if they're experiencing something and they're like unsure, like why this why something feels so uncomfortable or doesn't feel like it's this is the way it should be. I think maybe it'll um, open the door to see a different perspective. So we're talking about kind of self, you know, self compassion. Um, in all of these experiences, we we need to show our show ourselves self compassion when we're going through even difficult and or you know good times, right? So how do you define self compassion? So I have learned um, being compassionate towards myself. It, it is a very difficult uh, a strategy towards myself just because I'm not used to it and nobody really taught me until I learned it through my mentor and my therapist. Um, and I also have taken a course. Um, I've taken a course of a few years ago to really learn about it and, and doing some of the exercise towards myself. And what it self-compassion really meant for me is to not to be judgmental or criticized um, towards myself, but being, being able to acknowledge and be kind towards myself that this is a difficult time in my life right now and be very mindful about how can I make myself feel better um, and towards you know, loving myself more. 
because everyone, every because nobody is perfect. That's very important, and because of how I have dealt with、um, self compassion, or even how my parents never really taught me, I had to learn in different in a different in a different way. So one thing that sometimes I would challenge myself is, you know, towards myself to be kind, is that what would Vera say to a friend, or what would the night Vera say to herself?、Mm-hmm. And that's very important, because if you say to a friend, it would be totally different dynamic and different tone than you would to to your own self. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, I've definitely heard of this strategy before, where like because self criticism and self negative talk can、um, can get pretty get pretty nasty, and like it's difficult to kind of like talk back to yourself, right? Like, so I think that's a great starting point is to think about well, if me myself, Madeline, is going through this, you know, and I'm telling a friend. Um, you know, what would I say to this friend that's going through it? It's a good strategy to think about. Okay, well, if you even can write it down in a way that, like, this is what I would say to my friend who said this, right? And then be able to then put it back into words toward your own self. That could be a. That seems like a good starting point for learning this type of practice. For sure, and it's not easy. Right, because how we have learned this behavior of self-sabotaging or self-criticize on ourselves such a long time, and this is a behavior that we have to slowly unlearn it. Yeah. So when you're trying to unlearn something, there's a le- I call it the learning curve. It's、yeah. messy. It feels awkward.、Uh, it feels silly. Even to say, really, I'm gonna really talk to myself. Yep, you're really gonna talk to yourself.、Um, but if we can let go, I, I think of all of those, even those judgments, and just be like, you know what? I wonder if I could just give this a try and see what happens. Right, and that's why I said, like, be able to acknowledge that this is a difficult time right now, and everyone. Go through life, and there's always going to be ups and downs. And sometimes that you move one step backward, two sorry, one step forward, and two step backwards. And not to get too caught up in the in the two step back, or, or that's where the self compassion piece, I guess, really does come in, is to acknowledge, like, okay, I didn't do it perfectly. That's okay because then it gives for me. It's like then it gives you opportunity to then try to make it right. So one step forward, two steps back, maybe results in three to four steps forward if you put the work in. Right, that's that's totally true. So when you think about like how you learned it. Self compassion, because you were mentioning that you learned from your mentor and your therapist, and you also mentioned that it really, like, if I heard this correctly, correctly, and of course, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounded like self compassion isn't really something that's part of Chinese culture. Is that correct? I don't. To be honest with you, I don't remember learning it, and I don't remember my parents really taught me how to be compassion 
towards myself. Non, I have seen my parents to be compassion towards themselves. Um, and you know, I I actually went to a um, a training um, for self compassion a few years ago, a few years ago. That's when I have to become more vulnerable and be able to show that it's okay to be to to experience trauma, but at the same time, be able to give yourself compassion that you really need in order for you to heal. And I think that um, even to this day, like I sometimes continue to struggle with self-compassion because it's not such an automatic behavior that like, okay, yes, I'm going to be compassionate towards myself after being so criticism. I'm sorry, being so criticized towards myself because I have learned from my parents that no matter what I do is never good enough. Mm. So in order for me to unlearn that behavior, like I, whether I have to um, have like a post-it note posting somewhere that like be kind to yourself or like, you know, you are good enough because you did this and this and this. Yeah, I think uh, I, I've certainly heard this belief more than once of, of individuals feeling like they're not good enough and I was listening to a documentary on Netflix and in fact, our society, the way like media is set up is meant to make, meant to make us feel like we're, we're not good enough. We need to buy the next latest and greatest thing. You have to dress like this, or you have to look like this, or you have to be like this in order to feel that you're worthy. Right. So it's not even just messaging that people are receiving from parental, um, or fig, you know, figures that are close right. to us, we're, we're getting bombarded by this all the time. Um, on top of which, you know, we're going through a global pandemic. People are feeling, you know, frustration and a lot of different emotions centered around, you know, I wanted to be able to do this, but I can't, you know, I'm not getting as much done or um, I'm not accomplishing the things that I want to accomplish because there's so many pressures on us right now right now that we're all kind of feeling like it's not good enough. Right. Yes. Right. So we're all kind of struggling collectively as a group. And I think self-compassion is something that we all are going to have to learn to, to show ourselves in the sense of it's okay that I didn't get it done. It's okay that I didn't finish my project on time. Right. It's okay that like the, the, the only thing I accomplished today was taking a shower, right? That's right. That's right. Be able to acknowledge what you did instead of just focus on all the part that you didn't do. Just because you didn't do certain thing does not mean that you're a bad person. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I like the idea of kind of setting those reminders around the house, right? Because I don't know if... You know, I've learned of self-compassion in my, you know, professional development, but it's not something that I can say that I was ever taught in mm. a, in a young, in a young age. So you're right. It's probably not going to be our default. And in order for us to relearn it, we're going to have to set reminders everywhere. Yes. Yes. And sometimes, you know, it's also good to practice it if you can like every day, right? As, make it as like your daily uh, ritual, right? As in um, where there's like positive affirmation, 
um, or like where there's a quote from a celebrity or whatever quote that, you know, that really prompted you, that makes you really feel good about yourself. Absolutely. I definitely have like different sayings and different things posted across, you know, my bedroom. So it's kind of like the first thing you wake up and you are seeing this. So it's like, even if you don't get your affirmations correct, at least, you know, you're kind of looking and, and the, the effort is there, right? So uh, um, one of the quotes I have behind me is like, progress over perfection. That's amazing. That's amazing. Just to remind myself. Um, so I wanted to, I wanted to perhaps loop back to what you were mentioning sort of earlier in your story about, you know, being sort of raised under a different cultural lens versus sort of a Canadian type of culture. And like, I'm curious, is there a different perception of, of trauma that you've sort of seen between sort of Asian and Canadian culture? I mean, everyone experienced trauma differently. And I think there's just so many layers of how each individual experienced and it's, it's tough, right? For example, sorry, for example, not just experience of the trauma, like the perception of trauma, but like the perception of how to discipline your child. In the Asian culture, you would like, you know, spank the butt or like, or, or hit the child in order, like, in order to like correct our behavior, where in a Western culture, it's more like, okay, you're gonna go to your room, you're grounded, right? And you're gonna take, uh, we're gonna take all your privileges that you have. It's completely different how, how we were raised. And I also found, you know, um, out like myself, is that sometimes that uh, in how in, in my own upbringing. I was being compared a lot uh, in, in whether it's like in career wise, in career choice, like in the Asian culture, the, the very important career or a profession that you, that your parents want you kid to do is lawyer, engineer, doctor, like those are the top main ones. And if it's like journalism or hospitality feel like, then the parents are like, no, like those are not good enough. You cannot save money. Um, and because also I recognize that saving money and working hard is very important in their Asian culture. That's how I've been learned. Um, I'm not saying like the Western culture, it's, it's, it's completely different, but I think that's how, because we moved here in Canada and we have definitely have a struggle with like the career. So that's why our parents want us kids to make a good career choices. Right. And, you know, one thing I also recognize that in Asian culture, uh, how when we grew up is that the parents they don't really show much affection compared to Western culture where they would like the parents would say, I love you or like would give them hugs. And that's what I have learned in my own experiences, but also have, um, have learned from my clients' experiences because there's this whole different values and different beliefs that they don't because I because that my I, I guess in the Asian culture where my parents parents my grandparents never really showed them how to be affectionate towards them so then they don't really show it towards us 
um, and 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 it's it's quite it's definitely quite tough for sure. Like just growing up in the Asian culture family, yes. Often I also recognize that our value, like as kids, we our culture, our beliefs and values always clashes with my with our parents because they are from like they it's hard for them to really adjust to the Canadian culture, the westernized culture because they've been in the Asian culture for such a long time. But as kids, when we grew up here, we sort of adapt, we're able to, to learn from it really quickly. But that does not mean that I will lose my own Asian culture. I still have some, but it's definitely tough when we're clashing. Mm-hmm. And I imagine that probably would have added to different struggles between, you know, how you interact with, with your, your parents. Um, yes. And probably, and so what I guess I wonder is when you think back, you know, to when you sort of started realizing your own, I guess, mental health struggles, like, I have a thought process. It's like brewing in my head and I can't seem to like formulate it into words. This is the human part that sometimes is not, is sort of not working. I guess the question is more centered around like, as you were growing up and experiencing these things, did you have a sense that like, like, not that we're going to put labels to things, but like, positive and negative behaviors like were you sensing that things weren't supposed to be this way or maybe that you wish they were were a different way because you were sort of being raised as a child in a kind of in our Canadian versus Asian like did you start questioning things like how did how did that piece come up for you it was definitely difficult um you know when I was telling you about how with my own mental health struggle, I didn't tell anybody because in the Asian culture, mental health is not like an open subject at all. And some some um, Asian parents or like some parents, they don't necessarily believe like seeking support. It's it's a, it's a thing. And um, and often, I also recognize that when I've like. Now, help, like helping my clients, I also recognize in my own family where I have learned that we never really discussed emotion opening. Mm. And now I have, now I'm seeing a lot, now I'm seeing many clients of mine where they struggle of how to navigate an emotion, meaning they either bottle up inside or they lash out. And that's how I was before because I didn't learn how to manage my own emotion. And when I started going therapy and and have my mentor help me with my own trauma, then I started to begin, I'm like, oh my God, like now I understand why I'm acting this way, like this way. And obviously now I'm become more self-aware of my own emotion and trying to catch myself. You know, maybe this is not the best time to feel really to lash out. I need to like process it and just go away and deal with it on my own first. And then when I'm ready, then I can like process it with the other person. Right. Did you, was there a point in time where you felt like, okay, like, did you recognize that your behavior was sort of 
like outside of the way you wanted? Like, how did you know when it was time to seek care? Like, when did that decision come? I think that's when I started to, you know, at workplaces, I was experiencing anxiety. I was like experiencing a lot of worries. But then yet, even before my my work, when I used to work where I experienced anxiety, I was thinking like, prior to that, when I was in school or like, I was experiencing that too. I've always was worrying and like over generalize every little thing, every little bit. And it was also affecting my, my, my physical health. Like I couldn't sleep, I couldn't eat. And I didn't know why I'm experiencing all these physical sensations. That's when I seek out medical help. And at that time, my doctor, my, my family doctor, it's not familiar with mental health. And that's when he referred me to a psychiatrist to get a proper diagnosis. And that's when I knew I'm like, oh, like, that's why you're having these symptoms because these are the symptoms that you're having. And, and with all these worry and all of these what if, that's why you're having, that's why we're diagnosing you as generalized anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I can imagine, you know, you're experiencing all of these different things and not necessarily knowing what to make of them and not necessarily being a, you know, sort of open to discuss it. Right. So I, I think that adds extra stress because you're sort of on your own. Right, right, right. Because I didn't know how to deal with it. It's like, do I, sure, I can talk to my friends, but they're not professional. And my parents don't believe in mental health at all. So the only way that, you know, but yeah, like I, I need to go to sleep. If I can't sleep, it'll just affect my work life. So that's why I went to see my doctor. Mm hmm. That makes sense. So tell me, or tell us, um, because you started a mental health blog. I'd like to know what, you know, what it is and what people can find there and like what you hope people get out of your blog. For sure. Um, I haven't been updated my mental health blog lately. However, like my post about June, uh, I actually have written a blog about my own mental health journey and how I struggled. It was very vulnerable for me to really open up to the world because being a therapist, I don't know in my head, I'm like, well, who would like, who would actually struggle with mental health as well? But then again, like we're all human and we all struggle similar things as like as other, as everyone else. And I have actually written some posts about uh, psycho, sorry, psychoeducational material on different mental health issues, and also how to cope uh, with different with different situations in life. And basically, I don't want like I understand that you know when COVID started back in March, that's when I started my blog post because I think at that time everyone was struggling whether it's financial, mental health, it was, it was really, really bad. And that's why I wanted to provide that resources to support my clients, but support everyone who can actually read, you know, what they can do to support themselves. But also that if they were to come to me as a therapist, like if they wanted to come to see me as a therapist, 
it's to that I'm just as I'm just as human as them. Right. I think that's definitely an important thing to mention as well, because um, certainly there can be sort of that viewing your therapist as expert and like, sure, we know things, right? We spend quite a bit of time in school, like learning things and we've gathered um, so many different tools, um, but we're certainly far from expert right? Like we're all, you know, we're trying to figure out just as much as they are. And I think this is where client, you know, the whole concept of client-centered care comes in, right? That it's not a hierarchy, like I'm not better than you or vice versa. It's, hey, let's both meet and see what we can co-create. Like I have the information and the tools, but you're, you are the only person that knows you best. So how can I support you on your healing journey, right? Here are things that have worked for me. Here are things that I've learned about that might work for you. And it's like this interaction between you, you and the therapist, but you know, it's, it's, it's important to know that we're human, we're human too. And especially, you know, now ever more so with COVID because we're overwhelmed with the stuff we need to do. Yes. Right. So, yeah. So in that case, you know, we're all working and developing on trying to find coping strategies um, and just even ways to stay healthy. So we don't go into burnout and all sorts of other things. Right. Um, So it can be helpful to know that like, hey, the person I'm talking to isn't going to look down at me they're with me in the trenches going through this. Right. Mm-hmm. And some people need that. So I want to talk, I want to loop back to, you know, self, self-compassion. Um, so you mentioned once, you know, you mentioned a strategy earlier centered around, you know, thinking, you know, talking to yourself as if you were talking to a friend, yes. I'm wondering do you have other com- like common practices of self-compassion that you teach and or do yourself that you could share with others? For sure. So there is a, a meditation, a self-compassion meditation that I have learned through uh, Kristen Neff, who is the self-compassion, who developed the self-compassion practice. And she basically, it basically it's to... I don't really like that meditation because every time when I do that meditation, it can be very, very overwhelming. It's that you're not only just sending peace and compassion towards yourself, but you're also sending peace and compassion towards whoever that you're struggling with. And, and also it also taught me to, for example, if I, if, if the other person is, um, is to, when I say sending compassion towards others, meaning like express gratitude towards strangers. So for example, if I go to, let's just say I go to Starbucks, I get a, I get a, I grab a cup of coffee. Sometimes I, you know, telling them, thank you so much for making my cup of coffee. Not only that it brings, not only that I'm sending that gratitude towards them, but it also makes the other person feel so much better that we actually appreciate what they're doing to us. And that can be very helpful. 
Uh, and then another one of the exercises that I've also have done and also have taught my clients is this called the hand to heart exercises, where I put you know one hand on my heart, one hand on my stomach. I would I would tell myself I am good enough, but at the same time I would say I would name two or three things that I have achieved in my life that prompted me to think that I am good enough. And with that exercise, I. I would do, I usually do it in the morning, first thing in the morning or in the at nighttime when I'm about to go to bed. I like to make this practice as more as a ritual. It's because that the more we do it, the more that it will train the brain that we are good enough. Yeah. Are there any sort of resources, apps, or like, YouTube channel, like, you know, cause you mentioned a couple of meditations, right. um, is there anywhere like that might be a good starting point or somewhere, a resource that you send people to? So one thing is that on Kristen Snaff website, it has a bunch of different exercises that you can do. And I really like that because sometimes that when I'm in therapy, I tell my, I would tell my client, Hey, let's, let's, for you, I want you to go home and work on exercise number one. And then when we come back in the sessions and we'll, we'll, we'll process it together. Or I will do the meditation <clears throat> with them, like the Christmas Snap meditation with them during the session. And then we'll process what's happening with them during the meditation themselves. Because there's also, there's in, in, in her website, there's a lot of um, self-reflective exercises that I always encourage my clients to, to look through, like to, uh, to review it and to do it. And if they have any questions that they can always come back to me and ask me and we can always process it together. Um, um, like what makes it so difficult for you to do this exercise? Or like, what was, what were you, what were your thought process when you were doing this activity? So that's how I process it with my client. Mm -hmm. What's, how do you spell the last name? Neff, N-E-F-F. Okay. I wasn't sure. And I was like, somebody's going to be asking me, how do you spell the, the last name? So N-E-F-F. Yeah. Kristen Neff. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, what Do you have any tips for individuals who might sort of feel resistance to practicing self-compassion? Like, because it could, like, or, and or might be getting stuck um, or finding it very difficult to show oneself compassion. Like any tips on how to kind of work through that? I think one thing uh, everyone should be is to be patient within our own selves. That this is a learning process. And sometimes that we have to be mindful and be able to accept and forgive ourselves with our own flaws that we are not perfect. And also be able to view any difficulties that we have encountered in life. It's to be able to acknowledge that. Because in our life, like in life, like there's always gonna be ups and downs. And I remember talking to my therapist one time that in 2020 was the hardest for me. Starting my own private practice, definitely a learning curve and getting all these clients. And she told me, I'm like, you know that it was not supposed to be easy. I'm like, but it was so hard. And she sort of encouraged me, but you did it. Like, I am so proud of you because you have made 
such a big progress. You didn't let anything stop. You just kept going. Definitely pausing for self, self-acknowledgement yeah. is important along this journey, right? Being able to reflect like how far you've actually come forward and just even acknowledging that you've taken the step to try. For sure. I totally agree with you. I think it's because like I'm, I'm so determined and motivated that I'm not going to give up. Because if I don't take the risk or if I don't try, I'm just going to be stuck, like being unhappy. Yeah, yeah. And, I've, you know, I the way I kind of look at it is, you know, whenever I'm trying a different practice is, you know, saying to yourself, you know what, I'm just going to try this for a period of time. And I'm just going to see what happens, right? Because it's difficult to know how these different practices are going to make an impact in your life. Mm-hmm. Making the decision to say, okay, you know what? I'm going to give it a try for 21 days. And I'm just going to see what happens. And either it's going to be, a, it's going to be something that works for me right. or it's not going to be something that works for me, right? But kind of allowing yourself to experiment. Yes, Right, I think that is the important is the important key. Oh, for sure. Like taking the risk. That's very important, right? Because without taking a risk, that's like a safety behavior. And and without trying, you never know what the outcome or on the other side would like what the other how the other side is gonna look like, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um and if you're really getting stuck and really feeling resistance, you know, reaching out for help. That's very important. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. And things also come up when you run practice, when you start these different, you know, self-care practices, things, uh, things can come up. And so the, that's a good time to like be able to talk to somebody who's sort of trained to pick up on different cues, right. And help right. us like integrate and understand mm-hmm. what it is that like we're experiencing. Right. For sure. Um, so we don't want to be like re-traumatizing ourselves on our own. Right. There's, there's, Definitely. right. Um, if people want to find your blog, read your blog, follow along your journey, um, you know, learn more about you, where where can they go? For sure. Um, so my website is um, www.talktherapywithvera.com. Uh, I also have a Facebook page, um, Talk Ther- again, Talk Therapy with Vera. And my Instagram, it's also talktherapy.with.vera. And of course, we will post, uh, you know, the links um, in the show notes to make it easy for people uh, people to find. So your blog is uh, on your website? On my website. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Um, do you, and then I assume if you have a new post um, or if you're sharing something, that's also across social media as well. Yes. Yes, definitely. Excellent. Um, and are you, so in light of the, um, pandemic, uh, I'm sure people may wonder, and I didn't even think to ask this, but now that I, you know, now that I'm here, you're the first person I'm going to ask is, um, you know, obviously like, where are you located and are you offering virtual services? Yes. Um, I'm in Toronto, 
I don't have an office right now. I am offering uh, virtual or over the phone. Uh, and I am, maybe in the future, I will have an office in Toronto, but right now I'm just, everything is on hold because yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. Thank yeah. goodness for uh, thank goodness for technology and and virtual um, that allows people to still be able to access care and uh, care and health yeah. and wellness. So um, so that's you know that's something for all of us to be grateful for, right? Um, Vera, I want to thank you for taking time out of your schedule to chat with me, but also for being vulnerable to share your story with um, our listeners and, and sharing your struggles. Um, you know, that takes a lot of courage. It does. It does. But Hey, I already shared it once in my blog. I, I mean, I, I don't mind sharing it again because that will just help my client to see that I'm also as vulnerable as them. Yes, Absolutely. So thank you again for taking the time. And of course, I also want to thank our listeners for joining our episodes. And if you haven't already, I'm going to encourage you to subscribe because every week, you know, is a different, different topic, different learning opportunity. And um, we hope to connect with you on the next episode. So take care and stay safe. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to Living a Better Life podcast. Make sure to subscribe to our show to stay up to date with our latest and greatest episodes. We would also love to hear your comments, suggestions, and reviews. Thanks again. Until the next episode. Bye for now.